back at me and made a sweeping gesture with his hands. Where are all these Christians you're talking about? How is it that I'm 56 years old and I've never met one? I didn't say anything because I knew the answer. Most Christians, especially those who grew up in evangelical homes, were insulated from our Italian-American world. Although my father later gave his life to Christ, I never forgot that conversation. It ignited a fire in my bones, and I set out to bridge that gap, sharing the gospel with anyone who would listen. My career in ministry leadership continued when I joined the staff of InterVarsity Christian Fellowship, an interdenominational ministry that works with students on university campuses. I traveled around New York City and New Jersey, doing open-air preaching and mobilizing students to share Christ with their friends. In my three years on staff, I witnessed many lives radically changed by Jesus Christ. At the same time, I was developing a burden for the church. I wondered what might happen if the richness and vitality of what I had seen with students could be experienced by people in a local congregation. How might the glory of Christ spread even farther if an entire church could be radically changed and mobilized? So off I went to prepare for church leadership with three years of graduate study at Princeton and Gordon-Conwell seminaries. During that time, I married Jerry, a friend of eight years who also was serving full-time within divorcity. Shortly after graduation, we moved to Costa Rica for one year of Spanish language study. I had a vision that we would return to New York to start a church that would bridge racial, cultural, economic, and gender barriers. When we returned to New York, I served for a year as an assistant pastor in a Spanish-speaking immigrant church and taught in a Spanish seminary. During that time, Jerry and I not only perfected our Spanish, but were immersed in the world of two million undocumented immigrants from around the globe. We became friends with people who had fled death squads in El Salvador, drug cartels in Colombia, civil war in Nicaragua, and implacable poverty in Mexico and the Dominican Republic. It was just the preparation we needed for starting a new church in a working-class, multi-ethnic section of Queens, where more than 70% of the 2.4 million residents are foreign-born. It also shaped our understanding of the power of the gospel in the church and how much the largely invisible poor have to teach the prosperous North American church. In September 1987, 45 people attended the first worship service of New Life Fellowship Church. God moved powerfully in those early years, and it wasn't long before the congregation had grown to 160 people. After three years, we launched a Spanish-speaking congregation. By the end of our sixth year, attendance at the English service had reached 400, and 250 were attending the Spanish service. It was an exciting and rewarding experience for a young pastor. People were coming to Christ. The poor were being served in new creative ways. We were developing leaders, multiplying small groups, feeding the homeless, and planting new churches. But all was not well beneath the surface, especially in my own life. Conversion 2, from emotional blindness to emotional health. My soul was shrinking. We always seemed to have too much to do and too little time to do it. While the church was an exciting place to be, there was no longer any joy in ministry leadership, just an endless plodding duty of thankless responsibilities. After work, I had little energy left over to parent our daughters or to enjoy being with Jerry. In fact, I secretly dreamed of retirement, and I was only in my mid-30s. I also began to question the nature of Christian leadership. 
Am I supposed to be miserable and pressured so that other people can experience joy in God? It sure felt that way. I struggled with envy and jealousy of other pastors, those with larger churches, nicer buildings, and easier situations. I didn't want to be a workaholic like my dad or other pastors I knew. I wanted to be content in God, to do ministry in the unhurried pace of Jesus. The question was, how? The bottom began to fall out in 1994 when our Spanish-speaking congregation experienced a church split. I will never forget the shock I felt the day I walked into the Spanish service and 200 people were missing. Just 50 remained. Everyone else had left to start another church. People I had led to Christ, discipled, and pastored for years were gone without so much as a word. When the split occurred, I accepted all the blame for the problems that led up to it. I tried to follow Jesus' model of remaining silent when accused, like a lamb going to slaughter, Isaiah 53, 7. I repeatedly...